Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Tonight, I want to talk to you about winning over spiritual attacks. And I believe that it's things that will help us when the enemy comes, and the enemy does come. And when he does, that we're equipped and we're well able to handle it in a scriptural way. See, you know, a lot of people, you know, you can be religious, you can even be, you know, Pentecostal religious, whatever you want to say, and you can do things because you've seen someone do them. But what we need to do is we need to get our pattern from the Bible. Now, you, if you're going to sow something, Portia, you know this very well. If you're going to sew something, let's just say you're going to sew a shirt, a blouse, or something like that. You've got to lay down the pattern, and you trace the pattern. And you follow that in your sewing, and then when it comes um, through the process, guess what happens? You get a shirt, you get a blouse, or whatever the case may be. But sometimes, if you're like me, you know, when I tried to sew something, it was in home ec many years ago. They don't even have home ec anymore, but they need to. But anyway, I didn't learn so much there, okay? But I did in the cooking part. That was interesting to me. But anyway, you know, I, I would do the pattern, but it, it just didn't seem to work out right, you know? I don't know because I probably thought, well, I'm creative. I can do something on my own. Didn't have enough sense. Well, don't do the Word of God that way. You can't do it on your own. You can't make it up as you go. You got to have the pattern. And so tonight, we're going to look at the pattern in the Word of God. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting to me to read about Jesus. And when you read about Jesus, you go down through every uh, story in the Bible. These are true stories in the Bible that tell us what Jesus did while he was upon the earth. When he was here... The Bible said he healed those who were oppressed of the devil. Now that tells us something there. Even sickness and disease is of the devil. It's of the curse. It's not God's plan. Some people say, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm not really trying to get rid of this uh, sickness. I, I, I heard somebody even say that. I'm not trying to get rid of it because I think it glorifies God. No, you are wrong. That's not according to the pattern. God is glorified when you receive by his stripes you were healed. That's when he's glorified. Not that you have sickness and disease in your body. And he's made a way of escape out of that. Amen? But when Jesus was here, he went about healing all that was oppressed of the devil. He would heal them. And then the Bible said he would cast out the devil wherever he would find him. You know, and he would speak to the forces of darkness. You remember one time he cast out, you, you remember the madman of Gadara? And you remember there, he cast the, the devil out of him and, and there were all those spirits in them. And they, those spirits said, you know, let us go into the swine. And they did. And then, you know, all the, the swine went off the cliff, you know, and ended up dead. 
Well, see, that's what Jesus does when he finds the enemy. He casts him out. Doesn't play around with him. Doesn't act like this is natural or normal because it isn't. And when we find the enemy, it isn't natural or normal. Now, everybody will, well, the devil's not even real. We, I've already told you that in previous messages. A lot of so-called evangelical Christians don't believe that there is a devil. There is Satan who exists and demon powers. Well, that's just, he has us right where he wants us if we believe that. Because he can run over our lives and convince us it's probably God doing it. But we don't accept that, do we? But Jesus set up an example for us, and we're going to talk tonight about winning over spiritual attacks. Um, and if you turn uh, to Ephesians 4:27, uh, this scripture here is very good. It says, "Neither give place to the devil." The Amplified Bible says, "Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him." Now, sin can open us up. Now, people don't want to hear about sin anymore. They don't want to hear that sin is sin and that sin, uh, you know, uh, takes you away from the Lord. And uh, if, it, if you just continue on in it, your fellowship with the Lord uh, is not going to be where it needs to be. And ultimately, if you live a life of sinfulness, it'll separate you from God. Now, how far you have to get out there, I don't know. But the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that there's a point that we can get to in our distance from the Lord that will totally take us away and we won't come back. I don't want to play around with anything like that. I know people that are doing it all the time. You know, they're uh, committing adultery, uh, they're lying, they're stealing and cheating, you know, doing all kinds of things. And you just say, well, that's just that, that one incident. God forgives me. Yeah, he does. If you are genuine and you are repentant, yes, he does. But if you just keep going on and on and flirting with things, it's going to separate you from God and it's going to give the devil a foothold. I like one translation. It says... Uh, give him no toehold. In other words, it's not just a whole foot. It's the little toe that can open the door for the enemy. Well, we don't want that. We don't live perfectly. We all know that. And so we have to have a way that we deal with it. Give no opportunity to him. Close that door. And so if you want to know how to close the door when there's sin in your life, I talk about this Many times, and I tell you why I do, because there's so many people that do not do what we're going to read in 1 John 1, 9. Or uh, I heard someone say uh, in a book, and they said, you don't need to confess your sin anymore. All your sin has been forgiven. Uh, you know, you've got grace. Well, I know that we have grace, and I know that God forgave all of our sin at Calvary. I understand that. But he still says that you confess your sin. Okay, let's look at that. Let's just read it out of the Bible. 1 John 1, 9. He says, if we confess our sins, that word confess, you could also say admit, if you admit your sins. Now, this is, to me, really fascinating what's going on right now. There are people who will not admit their sin. They'll deny it. They'll blame it on someone else. That's the big thing right now. Everything that happens to someone, they are a victim. But see, 
that doesn't, you know, even if you were enticed into temptation or anything like that, guess what? You give in to it. So when you give in to it, you can't blame it on someone else because when you stand before the Lord, uh, you know, your friends are not going to be there that you can blame it on. He's going to say, what about this and what about that? Those are, those are real things. We don't want to hear it anymore. We want to, you know, put our hands over our ears and, you know, da-da-da-da-da. I don't hear it. I don't hear it. But it doesn't matter whether you hear it. God said it. And if you're his child, this is the pattern and this is the way you live. So you don't want to give an opportunity or a, a, a foothold, a toehold, if you will, to the enemy and to keep him at bay because we all mess up. There's not one of us that does not sin. Every one of us does in some way or another at some time. I hope we're not living that way constantly and chronically. I hope we aren't. But it does happen. And he said, if we confess or admit our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says, once you confess your sin, he's faithful to forgive you. Forgiveness, once you go to the Lord and you admit and confess your sin and he tells you you're to do it, once you do that, guess what? You are forgiven. If the enemy himself comes back to you to try to condemn you and tell you, you know, you did this, you're not worthy, you're not righteous. See, he's the liar. We already looked at that. He's the father of lies. Jesus said, when you admit it and you confess it, he is faithful to cleanse you and, for, for, and forgive you. So forgiveness is there. So when the enemy comes back, what do you have to do? You got to talk back and you say, no, devil, I am forgiven. God has forgiven me through the blood of Jesus and I am not condemned. There is therefore, listen, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So you're not condemned once you do what he says. Doesn't matter. You're righteous. You're white as snow on the inside. No sin. You understand? Okay, and he said he cleanses you. He forgives you and then he washes you. He cleanses you. Do you know what that word cleanse means? Purifies you. He purifies you and me. Aren't you so thankful for that? I mean, I can be just down, dirty, and nasty sometimes. I can say things and my attitude can be wrong. I know you can't believe that, but it is true. Some of you know because you might have been around when it happened. But you can't condemn me with it because God forgives me. But you see, in the same way, don't we tend to look at ourselves? I'm, I'm perfect, but look at them. You know, God said, you are finding that little speck in someone else's eye, and you've got this big plank in yours, and you're hitting everybody with it every time you turn around. And that's all they see when you come up to them is the big plank that's in your eye. And you're trying to point out that little minute speck that's in someone else's eye. Take care of yourself and God will take care of them, you know. How did I get on that? We just need to be purified. And the only way that we can is through the blood of Jesus. We are people 
in nature that if we go according to the flesh, we're going to sin. But we don't have to go according to it, but sometimes we choose to do that. Amen? I want you to think about, I'm going to say this. I want you to think about this. I'm just human. How many times do we say that? Have you ever said that before? We do. Well, I'm just human. I've got a shocker for you tonight. You are not just human either. You've got a human side, but you're one-third Holy Ghost. You hear what I'm saying? You've got God on the inside of you. There's one-third. That's your spirit man. Spirit, soul, and body. And the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. And we need to be people of power. We need to be people that walk with God. I want to be like Enoch. I want to walk with God. And then one day, you know, Jesus is going to take us up. And then we'll not be here anymore, just like Enoch. And he was not. And they're going to be looking at us. We're walking with God. And then one day, we're not here anymore. Some people are going to be glad we're gone. But they only think they're going to be glad because that's when, the, that's when it begins to be poured out when God gets his church out of here. Amen? So we need to stand our ground against the enemy. And the best example I have for that is Luke uh, chapter number four. Let's turn over here. And I know that many people know it, but there's some people in this room tonight that may not know it. So whatever the case may be, we're going to look at this and see how Jesus dealt with spiritual attack, okay? Now, Jesus went into the wilderness, and he spent 40 days in the wilderness. And the Bible says... Uh, that during that time, he, uh, the Bible says in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterwards hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, see, that's if question. If it is true that you are the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And see, at this particular time, there was temptation going on in Jesus' life. Jesus was tempted just like we are, but what? He never sinned. He never did. He beat every temptation, and he shows us how we can beat temptation too. Now, here's the enemy. Jesus has been fasting for 40 days, and he starts talking about bread. Turn these stones into bread. You can do that, Jesus, if you're the Son of God. Now, look what our Lord answered. Look how he answered back. And Jesus answered him. Now, you need to answer when the enemy speaks to you. When he's attacking you, you need to speak. You don't need to be silent. Keep not silent. The Bible says it's time to say something. It's time to call on God. It's time to quote the word of God. And Jesus answered him saying, it is written. Let's say that together. It is written. See, what is, writ what is written? The written word of God. And we have it. You've got it before you there, whether, you know, you've got your Bible with you or your iPad or your phone app, you know, whatever the case may be, 
That's the written word of God that you have, and you can keep it with you all the time and answer back when you're under attack. Amen? Then the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed him in a moment of time, and the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and whosoever I will, I give it. Now listen to this out of the Good News Bible. All this power and all this wealth has been handed over to me. And I can give it to anyone I choose. You see, that's, that's a true statement. When was it all handed over to Satan? Adam did that, didn't he, at the fall? Because Adam had all dominion, and he fell. He was tempted, and he fell. Then Satan has all the power and the wealth here, it says. And he said... Um, All this power and all this wealth has been handed over to me, and I can give it to anyone I choose. Well, Jesus didn't fall for that, did he? And he says, If thou therefore will worship me, all this shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. See, the enemy can say things that have bits of truth in them to try to lure us, to try to pull us in. But we need to do just what Jesus said. Get behind me, Satan. I don't receive that. Now, I've told you many times I speak out. When, when the enemy comes to attack like this and bring thoughts and, you know, usually, you know, it's about destruction or failure, you know, all those kinds of things that the enemy comes to us to try to speak to us in our life. And we just need to say, get behind me, Satan, because my God is before me and the word is before me and I'm going his direction. I'm not, list, I'm not going to be pulled to the left. I'm not going to be pulled to the right and I'm not falling for your tricks. He's deceitful. The enemy is deceitful. Did you know that? All right. And then uh, the last thing uh, it says here, and he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Uh, and Jesus answering again, he answered, and he said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then Satan departed for a season. Now, I want us to look at that. He says that the angels have been given to him. Is that a true statement? Yes. You have angels too. But you see, do you think if you go out in the traffic tonight and you stand in the middle of the road and, you know, there's a big semi that comes by or something, you know, well, I'm just going to say in the name of Jesus, stop. How ridiculous is that, right? You don't tempt God with those kinds of things. But when you find yourself in danger and in those times and it's a real situation, you've got angels to help you. 
That's what the Bible says. But angels hearken to the voice of the word. So when you speak the word, then it releases them to do the work for you because you were an heir of salvation. And that's who angels work for, heirs of salvation. Now, people can make fun of us for believing in angels. Let them go ahead. Doesn't bother me. Doesn't change anything. The Bible says you have an angel. The Bible says churches have angels. I believe ministers are given angels to help them in the assignments that they have, and it's based on what their assignment is and what God has called them to do, and those angels are real. And they're not little fat babies either. They're powerful, powerful beings, spiritual beings that God created. And he gives them. See, isn't that just like what the enemy would want us to? Okay, if you believe in angels, believe in the little fat babies. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But isn't it the truth? Okay, we don't believe in that, but we do believe, you know, when you read about Michael and Gabriel and the angels, I mean, you know, they're, they're huge beings. You know, and, and in my own life, I've told you about you know, uh, the time that I was praying and fasting um, and um, Eddie was praying and fasting and we, uh, we broke our fast and we went to have a meal and we were in the car and I mean, we were headed back to our house and it was like the rush of the Spirit came in that car and he said, I've got to go pray. And so his study was downstairs in that house that we lived in. And I said, I've got to go pray. So I went back to uh, our bedroom and I just knelt at the foot of the bed. And when I did, I, you know, I just began to worship God. And I looked over and beside my dresser, there was this huge, huge being. And all I could see was its legs, um, and it was like golden, you know. And I mean to tell you, I got so afraid that I jumped up and ran out of there. And, and, and I found Eddie, you know. I want protection. <laughs> but, I, but now see, isn't that just human, isn't it? That's my human side coming out there. But the thing about it is, God spoke to me later because I, I had to deal with the fear and get over that part of it. But, so, you know, I think it was like maybe two or three months later, God spoke to me and he told me that was an angel that was given to help in ministry. And I felt like it was related to praying. I felt like that's what he communicated to me, that it was related to prayer. And so when I get into prayer, I don't patty cake. I don't play around with prayer. And God uses me in that way. And maybe some of you, you know what I'm talking about. He uses you in that way. Everybody's called to pray, but there's a depth of prayer that you can get into. And it takes you. And I believe we, we need it here in this ministry. I, I believe that we have all these years. And so that's been one of the things that I feel like God's led me. It's not all of course, but it's a part of, of the call, I feel like, for sure. So we can see here then that um, Jesus had to deal with temptation, and the way he did it was, it is written, and we have to do the same thing, but if we mess up, we have 1 John 1, 9. I want you to remember that. That's very important. Now listen to this. 
Jesus spoke and he said, it is written, and he answered back every time. So we receive and we stand in our freedom from the enemy and from spiritual attacks in the same way. Psalms 138 and verse number two. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified, now listen to this, thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. We know that Jesus' name, he has an exalted name, doesn't he? But here he's telling us when Jesus spoke, it is written, God has magnified his word above his name. And so when we begin to speak, it is written, it's like Jesus speaking, it is written. There's power in our words when we put God's truths in our mouths. That's very important to remember that, whether you believe it or not. Okay, the sixth thing I want to talk to you about uh, and how to biblically deal with these spiritual attacks is you have victory through Jesus' blood and your testimony. Doesn't Revelation say that they overcame them? They overcame the enemy. How? By the blood of Jesus and by the word of their testimony. You know, you have a testimony, and you can overcome the enemy. If it, you know, one thing you can overcome the enemy with, you know, devil, you, I don't belong to you. God is my Father. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I've been born again. I've been washed in the blood. You don't belong to me. You know, some of you, you know, maybe you have to deal with, you know, the enemy telling you, you're not born again. You don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Well, if he's doing that, that's a good uh, way to know that you really are, okay? But you do want to wanna know that you know Jesus. And so if you go to Romans 10, 9 and 10 over there, and you pray that prayer and you confess Jesus is Lord, then you can do that once and for all. And when he comes back to tell you, well, you're not really born again. You know how I know that? Because I spent years not knowing how to scripturally receive salvation. It was like I had to beg for it. It was like I had to do penance for it. Now, I don't know why I believe that because that is not what I was taught. But I just had that feeling that was just the enemy lying to me. And so when I say these things to you, I have experience here. I understand it. And I know what it's like to go through that. But you have a testimony. Give your testimony that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. When the enemy comes, it is written. It is written. And then the blood of Jesus. Now, there's power in the blood. We just heard how you overcome by the blood of Jesus out of the book of Revelations. You can look there later. This blood defeated the enemy and cleansed your sin. You're not the same person you used to be. You're totally cleansed. And every time that you need to go to the Lord to admit sin, you're totally cleansed. All that stuff, is far, your sin as far as the east is from the west. In other words, never to be remembered again. 
And if anyone wants to dredge it up, guess what? God doesn't do it. Man can remind you. I remember, you know, I, you don't know how many people that I've run into that I used to go to school with, or, you know, they knew me at a certain period of time, and, and, and uh, they, they want to start bringing all that back up. And, and, you know, it's just like, I'm not that person anymore. I'm not the way I used to be. But you know what? If they hang around me for a little while, it doesn't take them long to know I'm not the person I used to be. I remember I was on a school bus, and we were headed back from... Um, Six Flags Over Georgia with the youth group that we were working with. And this young uh, woman, because I was young at that time too, and she came over and she sat down next to me and she said, Nora, I just have to ask you, what has happened to you? I mean, because she grew up with me in school. She knew me. And, you know, I had an opportunity to tell her that Jesus Christ had baptized me in the Holy Spirit. I, I had the power to become a witness for him. This power that was in my life totally transformed me. And I told her about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and the mysteries and the secrets and all those kinds of things. And so I said, do you want that? She said, yes, I do. So I laid hands on her and began to pray, and other people too were, you know, they, they began to pray for her, lay hands on her. She got filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues, and I mean, she was a shouting Baptist. Anybody know what I'm, how many know about shouting Baptist? Okay, she started shouting on that bus, and I mean, all the kids that were on there, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, it's like somebody's been hurt. No, that's the Holy Ghost on her. You know, so we're not who we used to be because the blood of Jesus has changed us. Amen? Praise the Lord. So, just remember these things. You need to plead the blood of Jesus over your life. Jesus' blood. Now, when the enemy, when the enemy sees you, he sees Jesus. And he sees you under the blood. You begin to plead the blood of Jesus over yourself. If you get in a situation where you're under spiritual attack, you begin to talk about the blood of Jesus. You begin to sing a song about the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, the enemy thinks it's like curse words to him. And he start, he'll run away from you when you begin to do that because he knows that the blood of Jesus Christ has defeated him brought him to a big zero, and he no longer can lord it over you if you will not allow him to. See, where we get in trouble is we, we forget, or we don't know, or we don't reinforce what God has done. At Calvary, Jesus got the authority back from the enemy and before he left to go back to heaven, he stood there and he said, okay, you guys that are left here and all those disciples who will come after you, you are now, I call you, I call you my partners. In other words, you're my deputy. Get your badge out. Don't be Barney Fife either. 
<laughs> be Matt Dillon. Anybody know who Matt Dillon is? Okay. Some of you do. Some of you don't. But begin to rehearse your wins that God has given. You remember David, he said, I killed the lion and I killed the bear. And giant, I'm going to take your head off. See, we need to rehearse the victories. Think about when you get under spiritual attack. Now, that's what we're talking about right now. When, when the attacks begin, you need to remember what God has delivered you out of. And you need to begin to talk about that. Again, it's, it's like curse words to the enemy. When you begin to rehearse your victories in the Lord, and if ever, well, I don't have any victories. I'm just so defeated. You, I'd just like to get a hold of you right now. I'd just shake the living daylights out of you because you do have victories. You do have victory. But sometimes we're just so busy looking for the wrong and looking for what's not working. Begin to look at what has worked. Begin to look at the things that God's done for you to put you over. It's so important, folks. Rather than glorifying the devil and talking about what he's doing, talk about, you know, if, if the enemy uh, comes to me sometimes, I'll just begin to pray and raise my hands and praise the Lord. And sometimes I've been known to dance, just cut a rug. You know what I'm saying? And you're not there, so you don't know how it looks. But God is okay with it. You know, used to, you know, you're in high school, go to the sock hops, you know, and you just love to, to dance and do the boogaloo and the funky chicken and all, all that stuff. But I tell you what, that doesn't, you know, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about dancing before the Lord because you got victory in your life. He always causes you to triumph and you can dance about it. Break out in your happy dance. That's right. Nobody's around and has to know it. I'm telling you my secrets, but I'm trying to help you. Amen? So we need to remember that we have victory through the blood and your testimony. So use those things. The seventh thing is to bind the devil in Jesus' name. Now, I've heard people make fun of that. And, and I know that screaming and yelling at the devil, uh, you know, if, you, if you're not doing things right and doing it God's way, it doesn't mean anything. It'll just get you worn out and tired and you can just fall over in your chair and just not even have any results. I do understand that. But I'm going to tell you, when you use the Word of God, it binds up the devil and you use Jesus. Now, I bind you, devil. In my name. No, that's not going to do a thing. He's just going to laugh at you. But you see what I'm saying? When you bind the enemy in the name of Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus. I love to sing about the name that's above every name. And you begin to sing about the name of Jesus and sing about the blood of Jesus. And the enemy just scurries off and all those little demonic forces with him. So we, we have to remember that. We have to know that and begin to, to minister 
to the Lord and bind the enemy in Jesus' name. Now, Philippians 2.9, I'm not going to take time to turn there, but it says that he's given him a name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. At that name, every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You remember the story of the seven sons of Sceva? You remember that? They went out, they saw the disciples. I mean, those disciples, they were going everywhere. And Jesus had given them power and authority. And they were casting out devils everywhere. People were being freed all over the place, healed, delivered, and set free. I mean, there was rejoicing where they were going. Well, those seven sons, they looked upon that. And they said, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing. We're going to do that. let's, Let's do what they're doing. But see, they didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus. It's like somebody, you know, trying to uh, be an exorcist or something and not knowing the, oh my God, I can't even imagine that. I can't, because I'm going to tell you something. Those devils that enter people are real and you better not play around with things like that. But you know what? If I encounter it, I I can cast it out and so can you. Not going around looking for it. It's not a game to me. People are bound by the enemy. And, and here these men, they saw the seven sons. They saw uh, the disciples, what they were doing. And so uh, they, they determined, well, we're going to do the same things. And you know what happened. Those devils attacked those guys, and they fled, wounded and naked. But you know what? The disciples sure didn't, did they? They bound the forces in the name of Jesus. Jesus was living on the inside of them. They were partners with God, and so are we. If we know him as our Savior and Lord, and he comes to dwell on the inside of us, it's God and sons and daughters. Amen. So we need to remember that. And uh, Mark 16, 17, it's a scripture that most of us are very familiar with. It says, in my name shall they cast out devils. It didn't say they might, they can, but he says they shall. And see, there, there's demonic forces in this world like we've never seen. And, and you know, if you just get out in society, you're going to encounter demonic forces. And you have the power to bind it up as it relates to your life, in your nation, in, you know, related to your church, attacks and those kinds of things. You have power and you have authority. And we can take that in Jesus' name. Now, you don't hear teaching like this anymore. I realize that. Some people can say, well, that, you know, that's from the 90s. That's from the Bible, It's from the Bible, and we have to remember that. We don't need to take it out of context. We don't need to take it and go somewhere we don't need to go, but we need to put it in our arsenal, and when we need it, these truths need to be there that we can use them in times of spiritual attack. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not be ignorant of Satan's devices his strategies, his plans, his purposes. And see, that's what we need to understand. He has strategies, he has plans, and he has purposes, just like God has a plan and a purpose. But many times we can't get in God's plan and purpose because the enemy hinders. But he can't effectively 
hinder unless you allow it to happen. Now, he can come in and attack and delay and that kind of thing, but he cannot stop God's plan if you will not allow it to. That's good news for some of you. Amen. Now, I want us to turn to Matthew 12. Matthew 12. This is a very interesting scripture right here. Uh, I'm going to start with verse uh, 29. Matthew 12. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house? You want to spoil the enemy's house? You bind him in the name of Jesus. You use the word of God to be the rope that ties him up, that binds him up. And then I want us to read from verse number 43 through 45, I think, yeah. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, see, a man, he walks through the dry places, the waterless areas, seeking rest and finding none. This is talking about forces of darkness. Then he says, I will return into my house from whence I came out, and when he has come, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Then he goes, then goeth he, and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation." Now, there's a lot of revelation in that scripture right there. You know, when you minister someone, you know, you need to listen to the Lord about casting the devil out. Now, you don't need to be afraid, but you need to listen to the Lord. Do you remember when Paul, in the book of Acts, do you remember when the, the woman who uh, had a spirit of divination, familiar spirit, you know, and, and she followed Paul. This is the man, this is the man of God, the most high God. And see, Paul, the Bible says, the Bible uses this word. Paul was grieved in his spirit because he knew that was not the Holy Spirit. Even though she was not saying wrong things, what she was saying was really uh, truth, but it was of the wrong spirit. And Paul, Paul did not do anything with that woman for a number of days. And then when the time came and the Spirit of God spoke to him, he turned around to that woman and rebuked that spirit out of her. Do you remember that? But, it, it, but he didn't do it just right away. We don't need to just, you know, when I'm talking about these things, we don't need to go out looking we need to follow the Holy Spirit. And when opportunities are there and God speaks and we know now your own life, that's one thing. Take your authority and do that. But as it relates to other people, you know, we, we need to know and understand this. Some people don't want to be free. Some people like their bondage. And you, if you read that, it says when you cast that spirit out, the house is swept and garnished and clean. Okay? It's empty. What was in there, that spirit that was there has been cast out. Now everything's clean and the enemy comes back in if they don't fill it up, comes back in and brings seven more spirits more wicked 
Now, can you imagine that? But now there's an interesting slant on this that I want you to see too in this scripture. It talks about, I will return to the house. Now, the house can be us as the temple of the Holy Spirit. It also can be the house, the house of king, the house, you know, I was Ramsey before I got married, the house of Ramsey, you know, what, whatever your, you know, your house, your family line, your generation, you understand that? And once those spirits get in a generation, I'm not trying to scare people, I'm just trying to, you know, share some things to get you stirred up and, and thinking about this. But um, I remember years ago, Dr. Summerall shared with us, and, and it was probably at din a dinner table or something like that, I don't know, when, when we were around him. And he began to share about um, a, a young person who had committed suicide in a, in a house. And, and it wasn't just a little bit later that there was someone else in that family and it, it, you know, it was a period of time. I don't know how long, but, but, you know, nobody dealt with that. Nobody took authority over that thing, you know, in that family line and in that literal house where that had happened. And then someone else committed suicide. Why? Because when they commit suicide, they'll just move out of that house and go into someone else and torment and vex them if you allow them to. Now, that's something, isn't it? But the Bible tells us about it. And there's some spirits, they like, they like certain families. And you'll see a lot of things that happen in that. You know, you take adultery. I mean, that's something anymore. Nobody even thinks anything about. But, you know, you let that get in the family line, and, and you'll just see. You know, it goes from the father to the son to this one to that one, unless somebody takes authority over it. And says, no more. In Jesus' name. So, you know, what we're talking about tonight is serious stuff, isn't it? So, Proverbs 18.10. Now listen to this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Now we're talking about binding in the name of Jesus. Okay, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. The Message Bible says it this way. God's name is a place of protection. You use the name of Jesus and it's a place of protection. I remember a family member of mine and they told me this. It, years ago it happened. And, and it was, you know, they were just learning and we were new in spiritual truths like this. And they were in, uh, in the water, in the ocean. And there was some very um, turbulent waters around. Those waves were just, uh, you know, crashing. And, and they had gotten out so far, though, I guess, before that happened, and then what was taking place is the waves and, and uh, the turbulence was just taking them out further and further. And I mean, this person told me, and this is what they said, they said, when people tell you 
when they're dying that their life flashes before their face. You believe them because that happened to me and I thought I was dying. And see, they had learned these truths, but they began to call on God and they began to say, in the name of Jesus, Lord, help me. That the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's a place of protection. And they began to speak in the name of Jesus, call out in the name of Jesus. There wasn't anything they could do. It was beyond their control. They were being swept out and the water was rough and they thought they were going to drown. And they began to call on the Lord and that strong tower, that strength, that protection that's in his name brought him out of there. I don't know how he got out, but he got out. So I want to tell you, God didn't leave us in a position of powerlessness. He gave us his power. And the power of God is greater than our circumstances. Aren't you thankful for that? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.